Welcome to Tactically Acquired. Our goal is to document military-connected living history in a fun and easy environment. We will capture the stories of our active duty, guard, reservists, veterans, ROTC, and their families, sharing their stories, adventures, and journeys across the military life cycle. The podcast is for anyone interested in joining the military, has been part of the military, or wishes to learn more about military life. In addition, we want to bridge the growing military-civilian divide through education. This is unfiltered, meaning we'll go over the good, the bad, and yes, maybe even the ugly of being a military-connected individual. I'm your host, Rusty Martis, a retired Air Force Mustang and OEF veteran, and I run the Veterans Resource Station at North Kentucky University. My special guest today is a veteran advocate who works for a local veteran service nonprofit and an Army combat veteran, and he is also enrolled in North Kentucky University as a student. We'll get to intros in just a second. But first, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for taking time out to get together and talk some living history. So what we like to do to get started is go over what I call the rapid fire round. Let's do it. It's a short burst of answers. Are you ready? Let's ready. Do it. Get pumped up here. Here I go. All right. We'll just start off by, please, state your name. Sean. And your branch of service? Army. And uh, you said earlier that you were part of the National Guard. Yes. Is that correct? What unit were you part of? Uh, Alpha Battery, 2nd 138th out of Carrollton, Kentucky. Good old Carrollton. What brought you down to Carrollton? Um, they paid me the most to join. Okay. All right. <laughs> that makes sense. Makes sense. It actually, it was funny. It happened the same day, too. So I was signing, and they gave me, they were like, oh, yeah, wait, don't sign that yet. It's 20000 I was like, all right, cool. Sold. <laughs> yeah. Sold. Where are you from originally? Uh, Northern Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. So what, and we talked a little bit about what took you down to Carrollton. It was cold, hard greenbacks, right? Cash. Uh, but why did you end up choosing to go down to Carrollton and joining the Army National Guard over all the other choices? Well, it's funny. I didn't actually go down to Carrollton to join. I was walking out of a local high school, and there was a recruiter, recruiter happening to be right behind me. And I had a shaved head at the time. So mm. he looks at me and he goes, hey, are you in the military? I go, no. He goes, do you want to be? <laughs> so, <laughs> That's how they always get and that was, <laughs> It's history. So uh, within... I think it was within a month, um, I was signing my paperwork, and then I signed my paperwork on March 3rd. I turned 19 on March 22nd, and I was in Fort Sale, Oklahoma on March 28th. Wow. So it was a pretty quick turnaround, actually. Yes. So a lot of times we hear that that doesn't necessarily happen. It could be a long, delayed service time. Well, they used to offer bonuses for quick ship. Okay. Awesome. Used to. So we didn't, I don't think we talked about actually the dates of your service time. When, when did you actually go in and when did you end up getting out? So my, uh, what is it, pay entry date? Mm-hmm. My pay entry date is um, March 3rd, 2006. And then my um, separation date is February 1st, 2013. Okay. Awesome. And uh, how about basic training? When did you end up going to basic training? Um, March of uh, 2006. I did OSET. Okay. Does everybody remember what that is? I have no clue. OSET. So it's uh, one station unit training. So you go there, and for the entire 16 weeks, well, nine weeks basic, and then seven, seven to eight weeks, you know, AIT, you have the same people. So I had all my drill sergeants were my chiefs. Oh, wow. That was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Not a fun experience Not whatsoever. No. <laughs> so what did uh, you end up doing? What was your MOS is what the Army calls it? or On paper, uh, on paper I, was an, I was artillery, so 13 Bravo. Okay. But when I got to be overseas, we never did any of that. So I have fired a few times at you know, Fort Knox and Fort Campbell. but Sounds fun. 
Oh, it is fun. <laughs> if you're sending large bombs 18 miles away. <laughs> Blowing stuff up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So thinking back, thinking back uh, during that time frame when you went to, what'd you call it? OES? OSET. OSET. Um, was there anything that kind of stands out? Something that was just like a story of interest? Uh, it can be good, bad, ugly, embarrassing. We don't care, but... Share that uh, experience. Um, I remember, and this is, you know, 2006, so apparently we're in the new Army now, but um, I remember one time being stuck between my chief and a drill sergeant, and um, I accidentally called the drill sergeant chief and got punched, and then <laughs> called the chief chief and then called the drill sergeant chief again and got punched. So that was a bad day. Right. Not physically punched. Oh, physically punched. Oh, physically oh, yeah. punched. Put me to the ground. Nice. But, um, and then he got promoted to an E7. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So a chief in the Army's a... Gun chief. Gun, okay. Okay. And a drill sergeant can be any kind of rank, mm -hmm. per se. Sergeant or above, maybe. Ish E five E six E seven. Yeah. Whatever oh, that's right. You're be. Air Force. <laughs> Air Force. But remember, the podcast is for anybody thinking about maybe going in the military. Or, Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, yeah, ed educate us, uh, Air Force non-Army folks for sure. Um, so, going back a little bit to you, you mentioned that you were stationed out Carrollton, but did you have any other? locations that you went to, deployed to, TDY to, anything that stands out? Absolutely. So I had basically what you would call, well, two overseas deployments, but three deployments during my time. Um, I deployed to Afghanistan in 2007. Um, we left in September 2006, got there in March of 2007, and then left of March 2008. Um, then in 2009, when but we had you weren't doing artillery. No, not artillery there. Okay. And then in 2009, we had a um, state deployment during the um, ice storm, the big ice storm. We were down in Lynchfield, Kentucky, doing humanitarian aid, going door to door and stuff like that. So that was that was neat. We stayed in a church. Wow. <laughs> and then I um, on cots or. Just cots, really? Okay. Yeah, cots and floor. Cots and floor. See, that's why I didn't join the army. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, my first tour overseas, I lived in an eight-man tent. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. not brick and mortar, not yeah. B huts, which yeah. are plywood. I lived in a tent, an actual tent, so I had the full army experience. <laughs> yep. And again, why I didn't join the army? And guess what? I was on, on I was on an artillery base. There you go. <laughs> not we, doing artillery. Not doing artillery. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, this is totally off subject, and we'll get back to your story. But I, when I uh, deployed to Afghanistan as well, I was with the Army. I was stationed with the Army in a 12-man tent. And the, uh, the sergeant major would give me a hard day. Every single day I'd go into the office, and he's like, this is why I don't like you Air Force people being over here in the Army. And I told him, I was like, listen, we had a choice. You chose wrong, I chose right, so don't get mad at me. So anyway, sorry, I <laughs> interrupted. But you, uh, after you, you did the ice storm, Yep, and, and then um, uh, that was in the beginning of 2000, like February 2009, and then by uh, October, November 2009, I was getting ready to go back to Afghanistan again with a um, agricultural development team. Hmm. After 2009, 
Okay, so when did you end up leaving back to the United States in 2009? Uh, I got back in 2011. Okay, so we were there at the same time. Yep. That's why I was asking. Because uh, I, I deployed in 2010 and left in 2011. It was August 2010 to August 2011. What, where were you at in Afghanistan, both deployments? Uh, first deployment, I was in the Ghazni province. Okay. I was at the bottom of the Ghazni province, just above RC South. Um, which I forget what RC stands for, but it's basically they divided it up in north, south, east sectors. Yeah. And um, so RC South would be, most people would be familiar with Hellman, the Hellman mm-hmm. Providence. Mm-hmm. We were right above that. Yep. And we were it, about. Just, just so everybody knows, uh, active area to say the least. We'll leave it at that for now. Yeah. Very we active. saw some of that on my first tour. We yep. saw a lot of that on my first tour, yeah. actually. So. Yeah. Very active. Okay, sorry. And then uh, when you got back and everything, um, how was getting back in the kind of back into the right mindset, for lack of a better way? Because you're you're going from a, a, a terse situation, a pretty intense situation, especially in your area, um, back to Carrollton or Northern Kentucky. All right. So Northern Kentucky. Um, so it was. I didn't understand um, back in 2008. You know, I don't even think I don't think really the VA fully did yet. You know what PTSD was. Um, I, I remember when I was leaving the the MOB site. You know, well, the coming home because you go back in through the same site. Um, they did our medical, and it was it was pretty much like, are you having any issues? Da, da, da. And you would talk to them, and she was like, all right, mild PTSD. Do you want to stay and get treatment? And you're like, no, I want to go home. Heck no, right? <laughs> I want to go home. We can do ten days or two weeks here, or you can go home. All right. It makes a lot of sense. So, um, so I didn't really understand what it was, but when I came back, you know, I I remember three, well, two distinct things that happened. Um, One, and both of them had to do with fireworks. (laughs) One, which was I hate fireworks. Mm -hmm. Um, I was working on my car stereo, and some kid behind me across the street let go a whole pack of firecrackers, and I jumped. From the street side door through the car to the other side of the door. Absolutely. Um, another time, uh, another a buddy of mine who was over there with me, he picked me up and we were going to go to the gym. And somebody about, I don't even, maybe a, uh, a tenth of a mile, two tenths of a mile away at a restaurant had let off some um, air firecrackers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whistlers, yeah, fire rockets, whistlers, yeah. And... We both, both of us jumped and, you know, he actually ended up bumping into some guy, but, um, which it didn't, you know, it didn't get bad or anything, but, uh, yeah, we, I mean, it was, I look back on that now and the reaction time, it's like, right. I want that back. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. How long do you think, or maybe you're still kind of going through that, some of that situation, but, um, th- did you get kind of back to quote unquote civilian normal Thinking ways, no, yeah, no, not yeah. at all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, do you have any advice for those that are thinking of joining the military, or maybe they're in right now? Of course, we're not in a war per se. Uh, I mean, though we got people deployed all across the United the world, the United States and the world. Um, do you have any suggestions or thought process by? just to help the ease coming back after deployment or go being a combat veteran? Um, talk to veterans. Yeah. I would say for guys coming back, talk to veterans. And I would say the most important piece of information I could give anybody who's in right now or is getting ready to get in, get you a job that you can correlate to a civilian job. 
you work for a veteran nonprofit. You want to talk a little bit about the veteran nonprofit you work for? Yeah, I don't know that I can actually say the name because uh, I didn't clear it with marketing. I understand. But um, yeah, so I, I work for uh, a nonprofit that has a veteran, military and veteran service department. Um, and we just went through a big merger. Hint, hint. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so I, when I, I came back, I had a lot of issues. I had a lot of trouble. Um, you know, I went through the run of the mill things that you hear about. You know, uh, I had negative coping mechanisms. I had legal issues. Um, you know, I, I wasn't, I was, I, I've tried to go to school three or four times. Um, mm-hmm. And after going through all that and then also being a combat vet, so ultimately having that intimate, you know, relationship with other veterans who are combats, it's, it's definitely been great. Um, of course, you know, when I actually did, or I still am, started working on my PTSD, one of my favorite things was groups, right. group therapies, because, you know, it's, it's spitfire like you, mm-hmm. like, you know, have. And um, so I think I've, I relate what I do a lot to that. Um, you know, only I get to be the guy who's helping people this time. Amen. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I, one of the reasons I asked that is, uh, one, just to share with the audience, but two is for my own, right? So Because I went through something very similar um, when I got back from Afghanistan, and I really didn't feel like I, I fully got back to feeling okay. And it's okay not to feel okay, but you want to eventually get there, right? Um, but as I start working for a nonprofit, and that's where it kind of clicked. It's Didn't like, you have a job just like mine? It's very similar, right? <laughs> very similar. So I, I started working for a nonprofit, and that really helped me. I was like, oh, I found my kind of found my calling again. My that reason to get up in the morning and felt like I wanted to go to work and uh, felt good about myself again because it was helping other people, and it was happened to be helping other veterans to transition properly out of the service, transition back out of. Uh, um, if they were combat veterans, uh, but it didn't matter where they were in their transitional process. If they never properly transitioned, they were they were struggling some way. Well, think about this. Um, you know, I'm, at least for me, you know, one reason I joined the army. And a lot of people like, oh, thank you for you know, mm-hmm. it was a job. It was right. a job. But you know what that job was? That job was helping people. Really, it was. That's it's what we service, did. And now working for a nonprofit, I get to continue helping people. Right. So. Yeah. Well, the American Warrior Partnership, I don't know if, if people are familiar with American Warrior Partnership, but it's uh, based out of the University of Alabama through Bristol Myers Scribbs Project. It's a nonprofit now. But basically, I say all that because they've been studying um, veteran suicides over the last four years. And what they have found is just having engagement with others is key to success. Uh, to the tune is if you sooner you can get engagement with other people, um, and if it's with like-client folks like veterans, uh, that makes more sense, but it doesn't have to be, that their well-being rate jumps 29% or 21%. However, if you do it over three months, a long term, then it jumps to a whopping 79%. Wow. So what it's basically saying oh, through their research and study is what you're doing day-to-day working with other non-veterans or with veterans, is uh, it, it makes a dramatic impact in their lives. And uh, my I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I know for me, it made a dramatic impact to me personally. I think it's so, a safety mechanism. True. When we when we come across other veterans, mm-hmm. it's a safety mechanism. We won't admit to it, but, you know, I got your six. You got your six, right? <laughs> the old uh, cliche, but uh, it means a lot for sure. Um, what are some of the things you miss about being in the service? Oh, my gosh. 
being in shape. <laughs> you, you can't see, but we'll have a poster post, uh, of uh, Sean in the um, in the show notes, and uh, he's not a little good. He's he's in pretty good shape. So, <laughs> well, that, yeah. I, I looked better in uniform. Uh, no, um, being in shape. Um, I was really good at the military. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was their, uh, you know, for a guardsman, I was our go-to guy. So. Any schools that came up, you know, I'm, I have so many certificates of schools. Uh, Dagger School. Dagger Whoever school. went to Dagger School. That sounds awesome. I don't know what it is, but it sounds it's awesome. the GPS Dagger. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Dagger School. Um, I went through, uh, I, was the, I was our unit's uh, hand-to-hand combat instructor. Um, and then I went through air assault. So I got to repel out of helicopters. I got to do a lot of things that normal M-Day soldiers don't get to do because I was efficient. Every class, every school I went to, I graduated honors, especially hand-to-hand combat. Right. I actually accidentally uh, choked out my instructor (laughs) to the point where he was snoring and then popped up and goes, is it Tuesday? (laughs) Oh, wow. What was the repercussions? Any? Nothing. No, that's no, what that's we were supposed to do. You, a plus. I had him. In, <laughs> I had him in a. I had him in a spot, and he didn't tap. So uh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that you're glad that you left behind from the military? Is there anything that stands out? Um. Well, I thought we were trying to get people to go into the military. No, not necessarily. <laughs> we'll tell them the whole story, the um, whole picture. The hurry up and waits. Yeah. I'm sure you've talked about that. The hurry up and waits. Um, the disorganization, but that's that's usually on the lower level, and and I would have to say the the communications. I mean that's that, and that's how you that is such a broad range too. I mean physical communications, and then radio communications, and then understanding communications. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't miss any of that. Nothing. Um, was there any time it could have been during your deployment or not during your deployment? But was there any time that kind of stands out? Was like that was kind of a difficult time. Uh, that kind of really just sucked. Yeah, getting promoted. Getting promoted. Getting promoted. So um, I was, like I said, I was pretty efficient. So I made sergeant in uh, E5 in three years, and then I made staff sergeant E6 in five years. Wow. I was actually on pace to make my E7 uh, sergeant first class at seven years, which is the minimum time and service you have to have. So, and uh, so I had, uh, when I got promoted to a sergeant, an E5, I was actually on my second tour. And looking back now, um, I was really unprepared for that. Do I feel like I did the job? Do I feel like those soldiers that were underneath me, my truck, that I was the guy who's going to bring them home every single day? But it was, it was a huge learning lesson. Huge. Yeah. Do, do you think... Um that the military properly trained you to take on all that additional responsibility or was it just figure it out? I think the military assumes you'll figure it out Mm -hmm. going through the ranks, but Mm -hmm. so no, they don't, there's no formal, well, there is actually, you do have like, um, so WLC, Warrior Warrior Leaders course, Um, but it's not, it's, it was, it's not what you think it would be. Um, It's, it's more tactical than it is intellectual. And it's, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's probably not combat related. It's more everyday focal well, points. It, or they teach you. They teach you. Um, you know, like movements and stuff like that. It's like bounding and mm-hmm. stuff like that. They teach you stuff like that. I actually scored a perfect score on my tactical test. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, is there anything you wish uh, 
people have never served in the military, civilians, we'll call it, um, that you wish they understood more about your military service or just about military service in general? Empathy. Yeah. <laughs> um, ask questions. That's what I want them to know. Ask questions. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you're, you might not always get the answer, but you'll eventually get some answers. Yeah. And be respectful if they don't want to answer. So. Right. And I, I would throw in there, I think, too, if they do share, just say thank you. Appreciate you sharing because it means a lot because that means they have trust. Uh, you may get some BS answers, you know, up front, but if they really share, yeah. then that means something. Absolutely, the trust. Um, yep. And it's okay to say thank you for your service, but it's even better to hear their story. I used to say, uh, people would say, like, what's up, man? I'm like, defending freedom. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do, right? <laughs> um, what do you think has been kind of a difficult subject or something that has been difficult to communicate to family and friends about your military service? Emotions. 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 Great one. Yeah, All great emotions. Yeah. Um, I have a I have a 13-year-old daughter, and I she is absolutely my world. But I I know that I am not adequately showing her that I love her. I know that. And I because I don't know how. And it's really hard. And you know, my family's kinda of, you know, it's been so long now. I got out in 2013. My family's mm -hmm. kinda of used to it now, but they definitely, like, I've watched them progress also and grow to see my numbness to things, certain things, most right. things, everything. <laughs> right. So, yeah, emotions were. That's a great answer. I appreciate you saying that because I think that holds true for, for, for a lot, especially combat veterans coming back through there. So, um, you know, we're talking about families and everything else, but there's a reason we call our brother and sister in arms our brother and sister, because they, a lot of times they'll become family to us as well. Um, is there anybody that you met while you were in the military that just kind of were special, kind of that brother and that sister and that family? Absolutely. Um, uh, I absolutely love this man to death. I'm going to put his full name out there. Uh, Maybe we'll bring him on. Maybe we'll have both of you on. <laughs> hey, that would be great. Yeah. Um, so he was, my, he was my E5 on my first tour, and he's, he's a unique individual, but... I'm telling you what, nobody knew there knew how to be an NCO better than him. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm still friends with him today. I'm sad because he's uh, he decided a couple about a month ago that he was going to pick up and go travel the world. Nice. So he's he's going to uh, base himself out of Thailand for five years, get a visa for five years, and then travel out there. So wow, I'm proud of him, and he's he's a uh, he's also come a very long way too from you know his life so and it's inspiring is it someone you met in Carrollton? is he a national guard member as well or yeah yeah yep. he's actually from Carrollton. he was he was a national guardsman uh he actually got out right after our first tour so okay awesome um how do you think and we talked to we touched on this quite a bit so but how do you think or how does kind of your military experience affect who you are today in your life today well, weirdly enough, and this, my answer to this is I honestly believe in the whole two years of civil service thing mm -hmm. <laughs> because, um, you know, the discipline, the responsibility, the respect, the loyalty, the patriotism that was instilled with me through the military and then the leadership skills that I, I gained, the people skills that I gained because I was kind of awkward in high school, <laughs> but um, those things. 
And I would, and you touched on earlier too, the continuation of service, right? Yes. So even when you got out, you feel, still feel kind of the need to serve because you're kind of embedded in you know, while you're in the, in the military. Um, if you could go back and give yourself advice before you left for boot camp, what would you tell yourself? Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> um, why, why, would I, why would I tell myself, get a different job? Okay. Seriously, get a different job. I, I, can't, I can't really express how important it is that you, the, the United States government will pay you to learn how to make a six-figure job, how to do a six-figure job for free and pay mm-hmm. you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, the beautiful thing about today's military, for the most part, there's a few examples or uh, um, a few folks that this may not cover, like if you don't have an honorable discharge, if you have a dishonorable discharge or anything, but... The educational benefits once you get out is an opportunity mm. as well. So, um, I would have never made it to college had I not gone into the military, and I yeah. knew that. And that was one of the major reasons why I joined, which is why when they told me that I was getting deployed overseas, my heart literally <laughs> dropped in my stomach. I remember that day like nothing else. Right. Yeah. Were, were you in school when you got that, or you were going you're going to go to school? No, I didn't try to. I didn't try to go to school until I got back from my first tour. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, okay. Um, I didn't have time. I, I joined in March, got out of OSET in July, was mobbed in September. Yeah. Well, that's a great point that you bring up because when you think National Guard, uh, at least growing up, I'm a little bit older, but at least growing up, you always consider National Guard a state agency, you know, two days a week or two days a month, uh, two weeks a year, and that's it. That's not the case anymore. National Guard, I think, deploys more than anybody that else. That is true. Uh, that is a fact. National overseas. Guard and Reserve deploy more than active duty things. But here's the here's the caveat. When regular Army deploys, they deploy divisions. Right. So it's larger. Okay. Um, so do you have or what advice would you give uh, veterans or service members getting ready to get out? Uh, how does... Any advice for them prepping for that or getting ready to ETS, as the Army says? I would definitely promote the uh, SkillBridge program. Mm-hmm. Um, have you talked about that before? We have not, but it's an awesome program. Yeah, I think I'm you, actually talking about it on a different podcast right. for the Chamber, but that's a different story. Go ahead. So I would promote the SkillBridge yep. program, and I would say kind of look forward. You know what I mean? Plan ahead. Plan forward. Forward thinking. Anything that we haven't talked about that you just want to really share to the audience? Any final thoughts? Um... You know, just uh, I want to thank the guys that are, are on right now. I want to mm-hmm. thank everybody that joined. Um, remember, every everybody deployed Red Friday. Yep. Um, and uh, I want to thank all the people who support the people who, who have gone overseas or even just joined. Because signing that dotted line, you don't really understand what you're doing until you get to somewhere, anywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Um I almost went down the path of recruiters, but maybe I'll stay away from that for today. But uh. I wish I would have done that. So I actually, when I got back from my first tour, and I regret this. This is one thing that I hugely regret. So with the National Guard, um, in Kentucky, we have the Kentucky Speedway right here, right? Yeah. And so we were we would work the Kentucky Speedway sometimes, but they would have you know the National Guard recruiters, national recruiters come in. I actually got offered a job as a E5 as a, doing NASCAR shows all across the country. Yeah, wow. And I ended up passing that up because I had wanted to stay close to my brothers because they had had a really rough time while I was gone. So, Yeah, that's, uh, and I don't mean to say that all recruiters are bad. It's just that you hear the stories about recruiters telling one thing, which isn't really true. 
Um, we're very fortunate to have a really good recruiter here at NKU um, for the National Guard and for yeah. ROTC. Is that Myrtle? Uh, Myrtle, yeah, Myrtle. Sergeant Jason Myrtle. We served together. We, yeah. were, we yeah. were in the same we unit. Same, same unit, yeah. Um, so they're a lot more good, but uh, um, just, just uh, double-check your facts. Thank you very much, John. Thank you. Awesome. Good. Good. Good job, man. Yeah, that was fun. That yeah. was a lot of fun. <laughs>